3: So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash
4: unapologetically ATL.
0: This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. This week, Access Atlanta looks at that staple of the holidays, the Nutcracker. The season wouldn't be the same without a performance of this dreamlike tale told by the Atlanta Ballet. But this year posed some challenges. Atlanta's nationally recognized troupe devised a variety of solutions, including a drive-in Nutcracker, to get around the pandemic and help shake some fairy dust on the month of December. To find out how, Atlanta Journal-Constitution staff writer Bo Emerson and freelancer Cynthia Perry go backstage and behind the scenes at the ballet on this week's Access Atlanta podcast.
5: Hey, I'm Bo Emerson with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and I'm here with the dance critic, Cynthia Perry. And we are at the Atlanta Ballet to talk about ballet in a special edition of one of our community conversations. Uh, We are gonna focus on the Nutcracker because It's the holiday season, and this is when most of you will probably go to the ballet, except not this year. Uh, It's been a different year uh, for the Atlanta Ballet as it's been for all of us. I don't have my mask on right now because I'm keeping Cynthia six feet away, Uh, but she's gonna tell us a little bit about what we're gonna do today.
1: Thank you, Beau, thank you for having me. (laughs) It's a really exciting time, actually, just to see how this dance company has pivoted and adapted and found ways to continue to create art that helps us to celebrate the seasons right now. And we're gonna be going behind the scenes uh, here at Atlanta Ballet. Beau is gonna visit the costume shop and look at some of the scenery from Atlanta Ballet's Nutcracker production. Uh, I'll be speaking with the artistic director, Gennady Nedvigin, as well as two dancers, Sergio macero Olarte, who dances the role of the Nutcracker Prince, and Emily Carrico, who dances the role of Marie. Um, What we have this year is not a live production, but a virtual production on video, which is available right now. Uh, streaming online as Nutcracker On Demand.
5: And some of you may have gone to the drive-in Nutcracker uh, at the Cobb Energy Center, which is where they were hoping to put it on this year, but will hopefully happen next year. And also there's going to be little tidbits about the Nutcracker called 30 Days of Nutcracker popping up on social media here and there.
1: That's right. Uh, So today we hope that you all will sit back and relax and enjoy our visit to Atlanta Ballet. We're in the studio now with artistic director of Atlanta Ballet, Gennady Nedvigin. And we're gonna talk a little bit about the process behind this production of The Nutcracker and how he has navigated the past nine months or so during this pandemic and how perhaps we may have a new perspective on dance and on the arts. So, Gennady, thank you so much for being here.
6: Thank you. It's my pleasure to be joining you.
1: And, you know, The Nutcracker, just a little bit of background to start out uh, about The Nutcracker. Uh, It originated in St. Petersburg, Russia, 1892, and the first American full-length production was in 1944 at San Francisco Ballet, followed by Balanchine's production, George Balanchine's production at New York City Ballet in 1954, and since then, the Nutcracker has proliferated in this country. Right? I mean, every major company performs, presents the Nutcracker most holiday seasons. Small companies, uh, schools, communities, large and small, they're is usually a live production of the Nutcracker. Um, It's a holiday tradition in this country. Why do you think it has become so popular here?
6: Um, Well, that's a a broad question. (laughs) I I think uh, people always enjoy traditions. uh, And this one is one of the happiest traditions. Um, Of course, Christmas time uh, is is, um, very festive. And Mary. And uh, I think people embrace that tradition um, because it brings dance, music, uh, b- beautiful um, mood, it really elevates everybody, and great spirit. Um, and yes, I remember as, as a dancer, I've danced so many years in Nutcracker, and I, I danced some parts of the Lew Christensen. Um, mm-hmm version in from San Francisco Ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that's aside, we'd always go to the store when the holiday season comes and Nutcracker music is everywhere, right? Yes. And we not even started rehearsing it, but, and it's every year same over and over and over. Mm-hmm. But I think I've, every year I found something new going into this production and it continues.
1: Mm-hmm. Thinking about the idea of adapting and uh this production has done a wonderful job of balancing the old and the new you know tradition and innovation and you all managed to do that on stage when the pandemic hit tell me a little bit about that path for you and how as an artistic director you have managed to navigate a lot of unpredictable twists and turns
6: um well it's a it's a hard one because navigation in these waters unknown waters for everybody was a huge challenge and around the world and doesn't matter would it be leaders political leaders or uh leaders in the arts or businesses everybody got into unknown waters basically and um, all we could do is um, to put our creative minds together or separately and come up with the ways how we can stay safe but stay alive.
1: Well, Gennady, is there anything else you would like to say about the Nutcracker uh, as it will be available to people through December the 27th?
6: Well. Um, of course, it's available to people on demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're happy to share. Please join. It's only $25 per link. It's not a um, big amount, but we want everybody to have this happy and merry um, mood and during this holiday season. So please join us and um, stay, stay tuned. We'll, we'll bring some more and I hope to see every, everybody in person, in the theaters, a year from now.
1: I hope so too. Gennady Nettwegen, thank you very much for speaking with us today.
6: Thank you you very much.
5: Hey, this is Bo Emerson with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We are here at the Atlanta Ballet with some fantastic dancers. These uh, dancers are all part of the Nutcracker, which has been presented in a different way this year as a result of the pandemic there's been a drive-in movie and there is also a broadcast of a nutcracker film film with the atlanta ballet on demand right now we're going to show you how they put this whole ballet together but first we're going to take a little behind the scenes visit to the costume shop we are in the costume shop at, at the atlanta ballet and we are with colleen mcgonigal who is the costume manager and how are you doing today
2: I'm doing well, thank you.
5: So we are surrounded by costumes that you're actually building for a show that you all are going to put on in the spring, uh, you know, if everything works out right.
2: Yes, uh, most of the costumes that we're currently working on are for uh, Snow White, our children's show uh, choreographed by Bruce Wells.
5: And these folks are actually putting together Snow White's costume as we speak, is that yes, right? Yes,
2: yes, we, we saved the best for last. Uh, we had worked on the butterfly core um, and some other characters, but now we're working on Snow White herself. But
5: This is also where you have put together the 200 costumes that you have for the Nutcracker.
2: Uh, This is part of the place. Uh, The Nutcracker actually took about two years of planning and work, um, and it was spread out through shops throughout the world, really. Um, We had makers in the UK, we had makers in Germany, uh, we had people in Seattle working on them. Because it is 200 uh, costume pieces, and we're such a small shop, we had to sort of spread the workload.
5: And then they mail them back to you, or? Uh...
2: Uh, they would actually travel with them. They would uh, from the UK. They actually came by boat, um, and they put them on. They packed them up and sent them, and then they flew over, and we did fittings together, um, and then they sort of handed things off to us, and then we finished construction. So.
5: And we talked about uh, how the the dancers will sometimes tear something. And uh, in fact, this is a very vigorous uh, uh, activity. And uh, you have to be ready with a needle and thread during performances when something, when something gets ripped or comes apart.
2: Yes. Uh, it is as beautiful as all of these costumes look. They put up with so much wear and tear. I mean, the dancers, it's extremely physical. And uh, so they go through a lot.
5: And some of them are harder on costumes than others, I suppose.
2: I mean, yes, but uh, that is true in every field I've worked in. So
5: everything has changed because of COVID, including the whole uh, last half of the last season uh, uh, being canceled and the nutcracker being yeah. projected on the side of a uh, of a building outside the Cobb Energy Center. Right. Or on a big screen. Yeah. And also being online. But uh, how, how has it changed things, uh, say, here in, in the uh, in the costume shop?
2: Um, Well, for us, we just we have to be more aware of, of course, our space, Um, you know, we've tried to make it so everybody has a bit more of their own workspace. Um, And with the dancers, we just have to be extremely aware in fittings to make sure everything's cleaned before and after. um, And just to take a little bit more time in between dancers, you know, um, in normal seasons during Nutcracker, we can have you know, we'll be doing fittings every 15 minutes. um, And so that's a high turnover. And now we have to kind of slow that down and give ourselves time in between,
5: right? The uh, well, I appreciate you uh, showing us around. And uh, is there anything that I've left out that you want to talk about as far as getting ready for uh, the next season? I know, you're hoping that that this will be an indoor show that you can that you can uh, produce.
2: Uh, Yes, I I believe that is the hope and the dream. Um, I think there is talk of possibly outdoor alternates as um, this happens, I believe, April, please don't quote me on uh that. uh Um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, I mean, we're as everybody is, we are making plans and alternate plans, and um, we're just looking forward to getting to see our dancers back on stage, so.
5: And now, as, as you pointed out, this is where you build and, uh, and repair uh, 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 costumes, but you have hundreds of costumes. And yeah. you have a big warehouse where you keep them all, including a room that's cold as if uh, because the costumes like to stay cold.
2: They do, or at least at a. Uh, a consistent level and we also have dehumidifiers to help keep uh, the moisture levels down.
5: So we're gonna uh, go and check out that warehouse where you have costumes dating back 20 years and uh, maybe even longer. Yes, we do. (laughs) But Colleen McGonigal, I appreciate you taking time with us right here.
2: Thank you so much.
5: This is Thomas Folks, who is the general manager of the uh, Atlanta Ballet, and you are also the production manager.
3: Uh, Yes, I'm the director of production, so everything that happens on the stage except for the dancing sort of falls under my world.
5: And uh, what you have in here are thousands of costumes. We were just in the costume shop where they're busy building and fixing, but
3: you have a lot of shows that you put on we do we have all of all of the shows that we build we store all the costumes get stored back here in their own special space um so i'd love to take you back there and show you let's go let's do it so this is the beginning of the costume shop we keep everything uh has to be on wheels of course because everything lives here but goes to the theater so this is our row of what we call the costume gondolas um and so everything gets transferred into a gondola to get taken uh, over to the theater, gets labeled what it is, every rack, every costume labeled with the dancer's name and what it's for. Uh, each show, of course, takes a different number of gondolas. I think our current Nutcracker is something like almost 20 gondolas worth of costumes. It's hundreds and hundreds of costumes. And
5: Colleen was telling me that uh, the costumes are incredibly valuable, That that's $600,000 worth of costumes.
3: Yes, at uh, least. At uh, least. Uh, <laughs> at, at least. So, yeah, so we, what's, What's so great about um, this new Nutcracker is when we built them, of course, we were pretty full in storage, and because they are so well-made and handcrafted, we really needed a place to store them that was climate and humidity controlled, which we didn't have in this building. So what we did is we built for the Nutcracker this entire room, all just for Nutcracker with air conditioning, humidity control and lighting. Let's go check it out. It's a two story. It's a two story room. So we have the non humidifier stuff upstairs, such as some of the masks and things like that, but all of the really beautifully handcrafted costumes come in here and you can see this was all um, hand built by our own staff. So racks of costumes all the way down on both sides, all the accessories, everything and room to grow as we have more casts, of course, every dancer is a different size so sometimes we have to make a new costume when we when we get a new dancer so this will inevitably grow uh, over the over the years
5: and you just keep the old costume we you, do keep the old ones. ones
3: we're we're because inevitably again once you make one size you keep it and you make another size so as the dancers rotate and they come and go um, it's great to have them and also we're able to use them for the school um our center for dance education uses a lot of our costumes um, in their performances because we love to give the students a chance to um be on stage and be in costumes just like professionals
5: so colleen was telling me there are 200 costumes that go with that show but there you probably have many more than that
3: yes exactly so we've probably we probably for this version of nutcracker we probably have almost 400 costumes for the whole warehouse it's probably uh several thousand costumes um, between all of our shows. You know, we have costumes dating back, al- I mean, over 20 years we have costumes from um, that we get to pick and choose from uh, and use for everything. Um, new Nutcracker, of course, you see all the spare fabrics behind you. Um, everything, of course, handmade for this show. So this is our pride and joy.
5: Mice fur right here. Yes,
3: exactly. In case so you need to build a new mouse. Exactly, we had to do all of that. We're um, getting the spare fabrics for the future was actually a big part of our planning process because it's a 20 year show we had to be thinking about again different size dancers, uh, wear and tear, and making sure we could replace the fabrics with the proper fabric so it still has the same look. These guys are a little creepy. So this is the, these are our nutcracker masks, uh, handmade in England, um, which is amazing. Um, each one is a slightly different size for a slightly different size head if you can believe it or not they've got the little um, essentially construction helmet and bicycle helmet straps on the inside um, because dancers heads are also different sizes as well as dancers bodies so we've got to have them all we've got to have small medium and large and now out here
5: you've got uh, uh, another couple of thousand costumes. yes absolutely you say this is a 20-year show uh, this this new nutcracker in other words the previous uh, one, the previous staging was, uh, had been at the Fox for 20 years. Mm-hmm. This one, you're preparing to, to uh, you want to see it last into. We
3: really, we we really do. We we invested a ton of time and energy and effort into making it the best show we could possibly do with the most forward-looking technology and up-to-date um choreography uh we really feel like it's a nutcracker for the ages uh and so we are doing everything in our power to make sure it lasts and looks as spectacular in year 20 as it did in year one
5: and there's some there's some some facilities uh, at the at the cobb center that that you didn't have at the fox that that makes some of that possible
3: yes exactly so at the at the Cobb energy performing arts center we're very lucky in that they have um a lot more space for dancers to prep um for us to work backstage um The the side wings at the Cobb Energy Center give us a little more space to maneuver. Um, We have a lot more workspace for the team to prep. Um, And of course, a small feature is, of course, the loading docks at the Cobb Energy Center. You don't think about that. There are four loading docks at the Cobb Energy Center, whereas the Fox only has one or two. Um, so we can literally unload the show twice as fast, which just saves us hours of time.
5: And speaking of loading docks, you've got on the other side of this wall, you've got all of uh, uh, of your set pieces.
3: Yes, yeah, so I would love to take you down there and show you the magic down there. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Let's go check it out. Let's do it.
5: Now, this part of the warehouse is where you have stored uh, all the scenery, not just for the new Nutcracker, but for all the shows that you do?
3: For all of our productions that we do, everything sort of starts here in one way or another. It's scenery, props, lighting, sound, uh, the space where we make the stuff that we make, the stuff that we store, the stuff that we rent—it all comes through here and is stored here.
5: And I see you got your lighting trusses here and your your road cases. Or... Exactly,
3: everything we do has to be on wheels, of course, because it all—we don't perform in our own building, so everything goes on a truck and over to a theater. So, so we love wheels. So they're uh, so like a rock of, and roll band. Exa- it's a lot like that, actually. It's very similar in its way, or just. Um, once we get after the lighting, it's all nice boxes. When we get into the scenery is where the shapes start to get weird and where the, the truck Tetris begins. <laughs> and we're going to go in there in a minute. Yeah, because absolutely.
5: What you have in there is is, uh, is ridiculous. But in addition to being general manager, you
3: also are construction manager? What's uh, director of production. Director of production. So basically anything that happens on the stage that's not dancing, that's in my world. So uh, making sure the floor is set, making sure... All the lights are on, the scenery, making sure the orchestra's ready. Um, All of that falls under the production department, which I also get to head
5: And now that means that you also had to deal with uh, staging a drive-in movie uh, outside the Cobb Energy Center. We
3: did, that was a very unique experience. It it was, um, we had the idea sort of in the the early fall. um, And of course, uh, uh, my family has gone to the Starlight Drive-In many times and we thought it would be such a great idea to do it up at Cobb Energy because they're big, good partners for us. Um, But it was a very different experience. You know, you think it's kind of the same, but I learned a lot about outdoor video, outdoor lighting, outdoor decorations, but it's been a real blast to figure it all out. uh, And it was just a huge success. It it is really a stunning production. I I could not be more pleased to have been a part, a small part of it.
5: So you're hoping next year uh, you're gonna be where you guys are supposed to be. Uh,
3: We cannot wait to put this in Cobb Energy Center. We love working with there. It's a great space. Um, Our patrons, we just can't wait for them to see it there. Um, while the Fox is, is lovely, C- CPAC is our home and, and we can't wait to put it there and just and, and have it be there for the next 20 years.
1: We're now in the studio with Sergio Macero and Emily Carrico, both of whom dance principal roles in The Nutcracker. They have danced, you've danced the role of Marie, mm-hmm. and Sergio, you've danced the role of the Nutcracker Prince. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, usually you dance in different casts. is that correct? Correct. Um, but they are actually a couple off stage, and that is why they are not socially distanced as the rest of us are. <laughs> so my next question has to do with your roles in this production. Most Nutcracker productions uh, have, you know, a Snow Queen and King, have a Sugar Plum Fairy and Cavalier. But in this production, the role of Marie and the role of the Nutcracker Prince are much bigger and more extended, and surely quite the test of endurance because there's no Sugar Plum Fairy to step in and take over. You guys have to carry the ballet all the way through. Um, so, my question for you, for each of you, is how does this bigger, larger role enhance the story or the meaning behind the ballet? It really shows Marie's
7: growth with the Nutcracker Prince. You don't have them going from, you know, the battle scene where they, they work together and then they're in this enchanted land and they're looking around. They are. In the Enchanted Land, they're dancing, they are experiencing all of the, the, um, the different dances in the second act together, and then there's a culmination of them dancing together for the final time. So mm-hmm. it just it's a journey unlike a lot of other Nutcracker versions that just is, I think, a little bit more heartwarming and um, storytelling. Mm-hmm. How does their relationship evolve through this ballet? Well, it, it begins with her just being kind of shocked. You know, she did have this small doll and then she looks up at the top of the cabinet and there's a handsome prince. And, <laughs> you know, at first it's shock, a little bit of trepidation, you know, who is this? And, um, and then as the snow scene goes on, it gets more um, thrilling so much movement, so much jumping, um, you know, they're enjoying their time together on essentially a first date, um, dancing in the <laughs> snow. And then, you know, second act progresses and it's more of love instead of infatuation, I would I would say. Oh, that's beautifully played.
4: And I think that's where you can really also see how human Yuri Potokov is, because I think it really embodies... Humans in those roles, like how they meet, how that relationship progresses, and how you know it gets to a point in second act where like you fully trust uh, Marie, Marie fully trusts you, and I think that he did an amazing job in portraying that throughout the ballet. I also think that it helps a lot the the audience this this story um, were. It's the relationship throughout the whole ballet of the two of the characters. I think it helps the audience to be in it a little bit more because they've seen it. Um, they've seen them meet for the first time. They've seen the relationship. They've seen everything they go through together until they get to Grandpa. And then I think for the audience, like they really understand that that's the apotheosis. You know, like. It's the biggest moment for the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that it makes the audience very exciting to to understand the story better.
1: You had said the doctors doubted you'd be able to run mm-hmm. again after the spinal fusion, and now you're dancing the principal role in the Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so all those years of training and the structure of ballet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dance in itself has the ability to give us the tools to overcome obstacles and to deal with challenges. Um, Certainly we've all had a lot of challenges uh, since last March with this pandemic. And for instance, I know Atlanta Ballet had a production of Giselle that was just about to go up in a week and suddenly we were all sent home. And it's been a long journey for all of us through this pandemic. In what ways, Sergio, has dance enabled you to adapt?
4: I think that, um, you know, people have suffered a lot during the pandemic. We've suffered in the sense that we couldn't come to the studios, we couldn't stay in shape do what we do, and especially what you mentioned, going to the theaters and perform for an audience, which is what makes us keep going the most. Mm -hmm. So that's been hard, but at the same time, it's been really, um, it's been a really good feeling to, to know that even though we couldn't get to the theaters, we've still been able to, through online resources, through just outdoors, different um, situations, we've been able to transport that um, art to people that perhaps was needing it even more than us. Mm -hmm. And with, with everything that some families have gone through, I think that something very important for them was maybe just to take their mind off the current situation. And even if through a, small piece of dance that we've done in the past that we've been able to share with an online audience that's probably helped a lot of people to take their mind off everything else so knowing that even if we were not doing it right then but maybe we had clips from before that we've been able to share with those people it's, it's been a really good feeling to, to know that to a certain degree we are doing our part and I think the company has done an amazing job just sharing um, you know, to the best of their abilities with and reach out to the biggest audience that they could possibly reach to. There's nothing normal about our new
0: normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had and we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience. And the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. Follow Rodney Ho's radio and TV talk blog for all the latest news on the ever-shifting landscape of local radio. In recent days, he's brought us the news that Frank Ski, who left V103 over the summer, will return to Atlanta radio on rival station KISS 104.1, hosting mornings. He will start at KISS on February 1, 2021. Follow the radio and TV talk blog at AJC.com to stay informed. Two very different artists who were supposed to play Atlanta this past year have announced virtual New Year's Eve shows. Melissa Ruggieri brings us the news that Justin Bieber and Kiss will both offer fans a way to safely ring in the new year. Kiss will perform live from Dubai and Bieber has teamed up with T-Mobile for his live stream. Get the details on these virtual performances and find out about the rescheduled Atlanta performances by both Bieber and Kiss on the Atlanta Music Scene blog at AJC.com. The holiday season is here, and while it may feel very different this year, some things won't change. It's still the time to give gifts that show our friends and family our appreciation and to see the joy that a well-chosen gift brings them. The AJC has some suggestions for all your gift-giving needs. Our gift guide explores everything from stocking stuffers to locally made items that support small, independent businesses. You'll find all of that and much more on our holiday guide page at AJC.com holidayguide. The AJC's dining team continues to explore some of the best in takeout with the Atlanta Orders In feature, which you'll find in print in the living section many weekdays. One of the places they recently visited is Aviva by Camille, where repeat customers stand in line for lamb and chicken shawarma, hummus and pita, and vegan baklava. Read up on all the places the team has visited on the Atlanta Restaurant Scene blog at AJC.com. To get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith, podcast edited by Bria Felicien, music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen, and I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.